Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and to my left is Roy. Hello, everybody. How you doing? I'm doing good. Fantastic. So, hey, we're going to have the, uh, the interview I had with John uh, back in the winter meetings. Uh, we're gonna John, have, John Nolan. John Nolan, yes. It, it's, we're so close, John Nolan and I, that I just, we call him John, and no one else you know, should just assume that it's John Nolan. Because he's the only John in the world. Right. <laughs> no, but he is somebody that once you meet and you're around him for a little bit, he, he's a very warm, friendly you know, yeah. kind of a person. You talk yeah. to him for 10 minutes, you feel like you've been friends for a while. He's super sweet. So it's not really, you know, we sat in the back of the Hilton there, facing the bay, just hanging out. I, You know, we're sitting reclining. If I, if I had a cocktail, I should have had a cocktail. It was, you know, it was during the winter meetings. For San Diego, it's the, you know, the God paradise meetings. Sounds like if not, you had a cocktail, you might have fallen asleep in the recliner. You were so comfortable oh, out there. We, and we just chatted. It was a chat. You know, I had some couple of formal questions to kind of get things started. Um, but I really just, we just sat and talked, you know, I think the first five minutes were about the Chiquita banana or the, the Dole, uh, ship that's parked right there next to the Hilton. So John Nolan is a broadcaster for the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Yeah. Um, he is their on, well, their, their play by play TV guy, yeah. but he also wears a whole bunch of other hats, uh, which surprised me when Angela and I went and visited the place and, and got a tour you just how much of a production they have and how many people they have run in that operation. Uh, but John was our ambassador. He, I couldn't say enough nice things about the guy. Uh, you know, he could have just said, hi, here's the bathrooms over there. The press box is up that way. I'll see you after the game or something. But no, he, he said he took two hours and walked around the place and showed us every nook and cranny of that fantastic ballpark. Yeah. And so, uh, so you guys just, it's a good, it's a good episode. It's a good conversation to just kind of listen and hang out. If you, uh, if anyone here listens to this podcast has any desire to be a broadcaster, I asked several questions on how he got started and what someone, um, you know, just starting out. I mean, we're talking basic, just starting out to do. And, and uh, there's some good tips in there. It's a fun interview. But just recently, I went and taped a spot with our good friend, Travis Ehlers. So you're going to hear that real quick. And then right after that, you're going to hear our interview or my conversation with uh, John Nolan. Hi, I'm Dr. Travis Ehlers, and I'm a certified chiropractic sports physician. been in practice for 14 years, and I'm located at Oasis MD in Mira Mesa. I see patients anywhere from the weekend warrior to professional athletes, all the way to kids, pregnant women, basically anyone that has musculoskeletal conditions. So if you want any more information or would like to uh, see a chiropractor, you can locate me at 844-627-4763. That's my office number. Otherwise, you can get more information on my website, www.drtravisehealers.com. Otherwise, um, I have social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So just uh, look up my name, Dr. Travis Ehlers. Well, good afternoon, and we are here at the Hilton Bayfront Hotel, and I'm here with the voice of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, John Nolan. John, how are you? Donovan, I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on here for my debut appearance on Friars on the Farm. And not that I do a ton of interviews or anything, but this is one of a kind right now. We are relaxing in some comfy chairs with a view that I would have to describe as bananas, in part because we're right on the harbor here in downtown San Diego. Waterfront view. 
and there is a giant shipping container that has tons of crates of Dole bananas. I don't know if they're a sponsor, so maybe I shouldn't say that, but perhaps a, perhaps a future a future partnership could forge between Friars of the Farm and Dole, we, although they probably might be in negotiations with the Savannah Bananas, a summer collegiate team down in Georgia. But uh, yeah, heck of a heck of a setting here, and you also uh, come here with the big boy equipment, which I might have to take notes of here and pass along to the higher ups in Fort Wayne to see if we can acquire the same recorder that you've got here to set us up. And then, not to mention, we are holding our, our own microphones that have official Friars on the Farm uh, mic flags, which I saw for the first time yesterday, front and center in front of AJ Preller during his press conference. Yes. So, this is the big time. I've made it. Thank you very much. They, well, okay. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> thank you very much, John. Um, do they tell you guys that they're bananas? I mean, because when I came here, and I've been here before, I'm like, oh, that's pineapples. Like, yeah, I work in food service. Mm. I, that's where my pineapples come from, over from the Dole. And then the Brandios guys last night were like, oh, yeah, they're, they're, we're the largest. They're, those are all bananas. We're like mm. the largest. I was in- just making the assumption, uh, to be honest, I am not a big consumer of pineapple, so I, I guess I'm not even paying attention to the stickers on pineapples in the grocery store because those don't usually end up in my cart. But uh, I'm a pretty big banana guy, so uh, glad to see uh, <laughs> glad to see the, the finest ones coming in here to America's finest city. Absolutely. So what do you have against pineapple? I, I'm an, admittedly probably a bit of a picky eater. So okay. if you get the, the array of fruit in a bowl, I usually eat around the pineapple. Maybe if I'm really hungry, I'll, I'll scarf it down. It's not terrible. I'll just say this, though, to go on the official record, that it certainly does not belong on pizza. Say that as a okay, native of there, the New York okay, City area. Absolutely. Way, we'll weigh in on that. That's fantastic. But so we'll continue with this little segue. So they say about pineapple is it's incredibly acidic. So when you eat pineapple and it gets in your hands and you're, like, you're done eating pineapple and you feel like your hands are being chewed apart, pineapple is a, is a food that eats you. Like um, that's alarming. It, it it is. So if you ever do eat pineapple and in, in anywhere amounts, and you know you have little cuts in your fingers or you're just your hands feel raw, it's because they it's so acidic that um, it really is just starting to eat away at uh, your flesh. I'm a pretty uh, risk averse person, so <laughs> now when it comes to my when it comes to my fruit choices, there's more ammunition for why I'm going to stay away from pineapple. So let's talk about your risk aversion. Do you have any stocks? Are you more of a bonds guy than I guess you would say? I'm going to no. have to check with my financial advisor to see what I'm allowed to, to comment on that. But now, obviously, <laughs> dealing here with a minor, dealing with a minor league broadcaster, uh, there, there there are no stocks. There are no there's no time there's no shares. Not even time shares in Fort Wayne. Um, okay, well, you, you guys are here. You so we'll get more into you, but you just came out of the Midwest League meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, so here at the winter meetings, there is business being done. There is, you know, the winter meetings are a minor league event, and Major League Baseball is invited. Um, they always seem to steal the thunder piece of all, you know, because it's the major leagues. But when you guys are here at the winter meetings, you actually guys get stuff done. I personally don't, but others do. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I was just a sit in and, and take it in. It's uh, actually after. Despite having worked in minor league baseball here for a number of years, this is my first ever time attending the Midwest League meetings, or excuse me, the, the winter meetings. Okay. Uh, so just trying to uh, to get the full experience, and uh, but yes, there, there was official league business being conducted as everyone starts to uh, ramp up for the upcoming twenty twenty season. You know, and, and it seems like the off seasons are. 
a lot more busier than you know, kind of the the regular season. Because once the regular season starts, you guys already kind of have an idea what's going on, how it goes, what to do. Um, and so it's kind of like with us, where I where I work at a university, like in the summertime, I'm still there. We're still working. We're still doing a lot of stuff. But it's incredibly busy because we are. We have to do all this stuff for the regular school year, and um, and it's really busy. So what are you guys working on? Uh, as you know, for the Fort Wayne Tank Caps, or what do they even talk about in the Midwest League meeting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're exactly right, and that is probably the, the number one question that employees of a minor league baseball team are asked here uh, at any point uh, outside of the spring and summer. Is what do you what do you do? It, it kind of always reminds me of that scene in uh, Wedding Crashers where uh, Will Ferrell's character is you know asking his mom, uh, "Where's the meatloaf?" And then he's like, and then he's like, I never know what she's doing back there, and that is very much the analogy for fans who uh, who don't know what minor league employees do. Um, but yeah, and it depends on your, your your role with the team. So, Ed, admittedly, for someone like myself or for our grounds crew, you know, I think our busiest time of the year is in the season. Okay. But in some ways, for like our ticket sales staff, um, the off season maybe has more activity. Than, uh, than in season. I mean, that said, not like those guys are sitting around <laughs> during the season because the right. sales team is also doing the on-field promos, etc. But that's where they are making the majority of their, their ticket sales and the season tickets and the groups and stuff. That's all taking place in the fall and the winter months. Same goes for our uh, promotions team and the marketing staff planning out the different theme nights and giveaways, etc. that we're going to be having. Um, so those are, yeah, continuous meetings during the off-season and not to mention specifically in the case of the Tin Caps and Parkview Field, okay. our ballpark hosts events year-round. So we have our food and beverage staff and special events team. Uh, this is this truly is their, their busy time. time. Right now as we're talking here in December, plenty of holiday parties and yeah, nonstop activity at the ballpark. So uh, definitely a different overall speed. Um, and again, in Fort Wayne, you know, di- different uh, scenery because... Uh, the sun and the warmth has, has gone away. And luckily, there's no snow on the field uh, at the moment. But uh, Let me take the temperature here. It, it is kind of cold for me. Like, I almost, well, I almost didn't, it didn't come down because it was like yeah, below 70. Love, it was like, ah, oh, God. I, I brought some rain with me when I arrived over the weekend. And uh, I just – I really, really – love seeing the downtrodden state of people and they get the the one rain shower uh that comes through it in the entire month and the fact that the temperature dipped down to 60 or so and they got the jackets out so oh oh yeah i was here and i came in september and it was about 80 with uh, higher humidity than usual and that was that was quite a. Uh, that was quite some adversity for some to battle the kind of humidity <laughs> that they yeah were you, you <laughs> You know, and you're glad you're not here when it does rain a lot because if it, like a little bit of rain we did get and we've gotten a little bit this year, the city shuts down. Like we don't yeah, know I was going to be afraid to rain. be on the roads. It, yeah, it's exactly. horrible. Like you can't like you have to be home in your home, locked in because you try to get anywhere. It's a nightmare. Uh, everyone's from somewhere else here, so everyone thinks, well, I'm from Chicago. I know how to drive in the snow. Um, I don't know how to drive in the rain, or I knew how to drive in the rain. And people are crashing into each other. It's like they take helicopters. Yes, we were. We have a very large military presence here, mm-hmm. um, but God, we're just getting way off the beaten path. What did they talk about? Just, just kind of a finish up the thought. What did they talk about in in the Midwest League uh, meetings? Uh, they talk about items like uh, scheduling. Um, I mean, one example of something that that came up was uh, there was representation from umpires, and so. Uh, 
the idea of how if there's ever a situation where there's a player ejected from a game or any, anything like that, where the, if the teams in the Midwest League can provide video of that uh, to the, and the folks who are in charge there in the league office and minor league baseball's umpires uh, so that they can kind of review that film okay. and you know, make whatever determinations on a suspension or a potential fine, um, stuff like that. And, I mean, honestly... Uh, given the current state of uh, what's going on between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, uh, you know, discussion there on kind of what's to come, and and that's still still pretty pretty uh, largely uh, you know unknown. Right, right. And so we won't we won't talk about that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm among the unknown. Right. On that. And, and you're um, and you know technically you're among one of the safe because Parkview Field, the city of Fort Wayne, right. The Fort Wayne Tin Caps are. A, not only are they a solid and incredibly well-run, you know, Mike Nutter obviously runs a great program, a great company. He's still smiling, guys. Um, and it's a beautiful ballpark, tons of attendance. Like, there's no threat of you guys on that list. You weren't on the list, so that, that was real simple. Cor- yeah, correct, and definitely feel for those who are, but also fortunate in the situation in Fort Wayne where, uh, yeah, there's there's nothing in jeopardy between yeah the quality of – the facility in Parkview Field, like you mentioned, and even another thing is just our geographic location. Currently, pretty much uh, as centrally located as anyone in, in any league around minor league baseball. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, feel for those who uh, also have those, you know, kind of horrendous travel yeah. situations and following along with the sod poodles this year and the kind of journeys that they had on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I kind of. I, I will complain when we have like a six-hour trip, but that's about as long as it gets for us. And I know that's a short one in, in the Texas League. Absolutely. Well, and you, you the, and they got that brand new sod poodle shuttle. Yeah. Is it the sh- sodic shuttle? I don't know what they call it. Yeah. What we'll is have so to check you- with Sam Levitt on that? And I, yeah, that looks really nice on the outside. And I figure Sam's probably got his own like private suite area uh, <laughs> as a section of a section of that. The Prince of the Panhandle rides coach with the rest of the team. No, he's, he's first class there with uh, with Phil Wellman, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> And who is conspicuously absent from these, um, from these, uh, from the winter meetings? He's not here. And I talked to him. Well, at least I texted him earlier uh, in the he week. Heard I was coming. I guess because right. it's my first time here, so uh, cleared out. Well, at least now, if he does show up next year or next time that they're here in San Diego, probably within five years or so, that you'll be able to like, oh, let me show you the good spot. Mm, yeah, this uh, corner patio where we uh, see the bananas unloaded off the uh, dock. And you go, this is where you talk to Friars on the farm, Donovan and Roy. They're really nice guys. Um, no, we've had them on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's we've gotten way off topic, way off traffic. Um, but I my apologies. Th- not a, not at all. I I love having this conversation with you because well, you know, this is your first time here. We've never met before. This is the second time we met. We met last night. Um, and you're speaking individually. If you were to speak collectively as me meeting Friars on the farm, did have the pleasure of having Roy come visit Parkview Fields yeah. back, in, back in July. So, yes, glad to, to meet the other half now. Ironically enough, I was at I was at Lake Elsinore Storm game. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I might have been – I think Mackenzie Gore was pitching like it was one of his last games he mm-hmm. was pitching. Might have been. I can't remember. But Roy's like, I'm getting ready to go on the broadcast. So my wife, Liddy – like, I'm busy kind of doing podcast stuff. And then she's like, I'm listening to the broadcast. I'm like, what's happening? He's like, Roy's on the broadcast. 
that game, let's talk about that game yeah, for a minute. Yeah, that was the, if we just were to recap the 2019 tin cap season, it, it had a lot of exciting prospects, but uh, in terms of uh, actual games, yeah, Roy was there for the signature moment of 2019 where uh, the tin caps were, were trailing the Cardinals affiliate, the Peoria Chiefs, 11-2 to halfway through that game and uh, wound up having just uh, an epic rally. Jawan Harris had a game tying grand slam in the Randy. bottom of the uh, bottom of the eighth inning, and then later on wound up uh, yeah winning that one twelve to eleven. So that was as why that was the greatest comeback in the eleven uh, year history of Parkview Field, and it was really only over uh, overshadowed ultimately by that crazy Lake Elsinore comeback that yeah. they had, <laughs> uh, which was even more improbable. That was out of town, but um, a little side note to that game, uh, Peoria. Illinois region resident Ethan, Ethan Skender, Skender scored the game-winning run. Scored the game-winning run, yeah. who is a friend of the podcast mm-hmm. and has been a guest on. Yeah, um, Ethan's an awesome guy, and that was a really cool moment uh, in a, a special summer for him. Absolutely. Uh, so let's, get, let's, get, let's start back with you. Where were you born? Where or when? Where? Well, I don't, I don't care when. <laughs> and what city were you born in? You never ask a podcast guest their age. You know that. No, right. <laughs> no. Uh, where was I born? I don't even know how old my wife is, really. I was, I was born in, uh, that might be a problem, but right. I was born in Riverview Medical Center in Red Bank, New Jersey. That's as specific as you can, That's you can pretty, get. I don't yeah. know the floor or room number. And uh, I really, though, grew up in Edison, New Jersey, which okay. is the fifth largest municipality in the state of New Jersey. Which is near what city that we would know? Yeah, so it's a suburb of New York City. Okay, so oh, it's not a suburb of Trenton or... In New Jersey, you wind up saying that you're either in a suburb of New York City or Philadelphia. Okay. So, uh... No Trent, claim Trent, you from Jersey. Trenton <laughs> is the site of it. It's the reality of it. Trenton is the site of where I first ever attended a minor league baseball game with the Trenton Thunder, uh, which would be about 40 or so minutes away from, uh, from home in yeah, New York City. It's only like 20 miles, but with, with traffic, you know, it's usually about an, an almost an hour trip. Okay, so who, where? Uh, what, so, what team did you grow up? I had the misfortune of growing up a fan of the New York Mets. My wife's a Mets fan. Sorry That's to fantastic. Hear that. So you know who just walked by? That was the manager of the Lake Elsinore Storm. Tony Tarasco. Tony Tarasco. I did not actually notice that, but uh, that's yeah, cool. That's, that's Tony right there walking by. So but when I was a kid, Tony was playing for the Orioles when that infamous moment with uh, Jeffrey Meyer, the uh, fan who reached over Tony to interrupt what would have been a flyout for Derek Jeter. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and it's funny, doing interviews with him up there in Lake Elsinore, I didn't never ask. I never, I, you don't bring it up. You, you know, I, it, I brought it up to him uh, during some of his vi- visits to Fort Wayne, and uh, yeah, he's cool to talk about it because he's—I think his line is something to the effect of, uh, "You know, the baseball gods had a plan that Derek Jeter, you know, was going to be one of the promised ones, uh, you know, soon to be Hall of Famer, and you know, Tony, he just kind of was a, a character who was in a spot, and destiny took over in that situation because uh, the baseball gods uh, kind of willed that for uh, the." The start of uh, Jeter's uh, ascension. To, right, to whatever you want to say about that in, in New York. How do you feel about Derek Jeter? As a Met fan. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, I was, so I was, as a kid, I was kind of jealous of the Yankees' yeah. success. Uh, I mean, I, part of me would like to kind of rib Yankees fans here and point out that he was probably pretty overrated. Like that one catch that he had when he wound up running into the stands yeah. and cutting his face. And I mean, 
I feel like that a play like that was a little bit overblown. But uh, absolutely, no, I don't want to besmirch uh, the owner of a of a ball club that has a Midwest League affiliate. It's there with the Clinton Lumber King. So oh. congratulations to uh, Derek on a wonderful career and obviously a stand-up guy. Yeah, a stand-up guy, a wonderful career. Um, but you really, with that, we'll finish with this thought. Um, you know, diving into the, into the stands like that, that is not the uh, situational awareness that you want to have as a ball player. <laughs> I mean, you want to put your hands out, show you want to catch the ball, but you put your hands out in that same motion. And I, I think both get done. You know, the shiner that he got from that was a little maybe, you yeah. Know, again, it, it just kind of added to the legacy. <laughs> so you grew up a Mets fan. What, what, um, what brought you into broadcasting? What, what made you uh, get into broadcasting? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, like, a, lot of, a lot of broadcasters share a similar story where as a kid, grew up loving baseball, loving sports in general, uh, you know, playing in the backyard, etc. Um, it's I probably realized maybe earlier than average by the time I was middle school aged, uh, early young teenager that I wasn't going to be good enough to you know compete at the D1 level in, in college and athletics or have any kind of pro career. And where exactly the idea uh, seeped into my mind to be interested in broadcasting, I don't know. But I, again, other broadcasters share a similar tale but i uh would do play-by-play as i was playing video games you know in the basement so that those were my early reps um and then yeah from from there uh it's just been uh it's been uh, a passion for me and something that i've continued to pursue do you have any brothers and sisters did you do that against them oh and there's a long shot on like playstation 2017 or whatever i don't know yeah i have two younger sisters and uh and if i ever tried that as they were playing like the wii or something they probably told me to to shut up and leave them alone so <laughs> that was not the case so then what was your first gig broadcasting other than you know the basement doing uh mm. video games I guess really I'd probably point to the fact that when I was in high school and my high school did not have a student radio or TV station or, or anything mm-hmm. like that. Now there's a lot more opportunities out there for yeah. kids with uh, digital opportunities. But yeah, when I was a senior in high school, that was sort of the the early stage of where it was pretty simple to do a podcast or do uh, stream something online. So I literally saw an advertisement on that was popping up on Facebook for uh, being able to do audio streaming. And I uh, shared that with the teacher. And next thing you know, they set me up to be able to do uh, just uh, audio broadcasts of our high school's basketball games. So I'd say those are probably my first like kind of official uh, play-by-play experiences. As, as we say, that's where you got the bug? Yeah, well, again, I would just say it further confirmed that this was what I wanted to do. And I had had Earlier than that, even more on the writing side, whether newspaper, again, like the infancy of blogs, I uh, was like covering my schools and, and local high school scene. Um, and I went to a, actually went to a sports broadcasting camp okay. uh, for a couple summers in high school, one run by um, Ian Eagle of uh, CBS Sports and, and TNT, et cetera, um, and a local sportscaster in New York City named Bruce Beck. And so I went to that. And again, that was just, you know, feed in, feed in the appetite and that's a lot. I wanted to pursue it. That's a lot cooler than some of the camps we have in the summer at the UCSD <laughs> broadcaster camp. Really, they had. I one mean, of those? that's pretty. Dependent. You have a unique perspective to appreciate that. I think most would point out how nerdy that is. No, like, that's not nerdy. That's silly. cool. So what? So you know, let's talk about that. What? 
What did you guys do? How did you guys do games? Was it like classroom and then like we're going to simulate a game? The way that camp worked and it, it still kind of exists with some uh, different folks running it. Um, the first summer was, I would just say, a little bit of a general introduction. They'd have different sports casters uh, come to speak like uh, Kenny Albert, for example, who does okay. MLB games on Fox. And he he's actually the only guy who does all four major sports on national TV. Um but they had, they'd bring in uh, different sportscasters. You hear from them. They'd offer some tips, and you do you do some like light training, um, and then that actually did culminate with going to uh, an independent minor league baseball game, the Somerset Patriots. It's only a week long camp, so okay. Right. It was the final Friday. We went to the the Somerset Patriots game, and you get a tape recorder, and from just sitting in the stands, give a crack at doing play by play. So might have been the first time I ever did a baseball uh, play-by-play, and I'm sure that was that was trash. I did not save that, save that tape. Then you go you back. You say to, trash now, but was that your final? Was that okay, kids? You're going to do God, that yeah. three innings, the and then final be your was final. When, the final was when they cashed the check from the parents. So. <laughs> um, and then the second go around, there was a, another local sportscaster named Mike Quick okay. who uh, had. All in all, it's still a summer camp, but for you know high school age kids really. But uh, Mike Quick, though, he kind of raised the level of intensity a bit in trying to really prep you for experiences okay. uh, that would come up in, in broadcasting. And that that one culminated with you got to do as if you were like the local sports anchor doing right. a sports segment. So it was like a five minute cast, something like that. Um. So from so then, what was your first? Uh, you know, from there. Was was Fort Wayne your first professional game? Yeah, just to fast forward, I went to Syracuse University, and there was a, a guy, a couple classes. Oh, the Syracuse Mets now? Yes, mm-hmm. and at the time, the Syracuse Chiefs, and so I interned for them yeah. one of my summers there. Um, and, yeah, Mike Cousins, not my cousin. I haven't been able to benefit from nepotism <laughs> much in my career, <laughs> but Mike Cousins, he was a couple classes ahead of me at Syracuse. His first full-time gig out of school was – being the Tin Caps play-by-play broadcaster, and um, I initially started out in Fort Wayne working under Mike as his uh, number two broadcaster, okay. and did that for a couple years. And then Mike has since moved on to ESPN, and I've been in Fort Wayne since. Well, you know, and this kind of goes along with the overriding theme of almost you know a lot of the episodes that we're going to have focusing you know primarily on the minor leagues is it's who you know, mm-hmm. it's it's the relationships you build, it's the it's like this guy you're nice to now or is nice to you now. You may be his boss five years from now. Or the guy you meet here could get you a job three years down the line because you knew him back then and you were a good employee and you were a pleasant person. You, you know what I mean? Um, that, that's fascinating. And so you've been there going on six years? So, yeah, I've been the lead guy for the last five years and had done a couple years as the number two so yeah seven years have flown by and yes to your point exactly right because no doubt there were when mike was looking for a uh, number two there definitely were people who would have been uh, more talented than me or more and more experienced uh, than me but because i had had that connection with mike and if we're just giving tips out there to any young people who are yeah. looking for networking advice from the time when mike graduated to the time when i applied for that position it wasn't that I there was no communication. So if that was the case, then I probably wouldn't have really uh, been in a situation to benefit. But I had kept in touch with Mike. He went to the Dayton Dragons for a season as their number two broadcaster. Okay. You know, I asked him about those experiences. I'd asked him with some regularity for uh, like career advice and whatnot and continued that relationship. So um, 
you know, it's funny because at the people, there's a lot of people going for broadcasting. Mm-hmm. So I think when I when I release this episode, I'm going to find maybe MILB Productions or MILB um, a PR to, to kind of put it out there, like, hey, this is something that you, you know, this could be a little bit of a masterclass in mm-hmm. in broadcasting and what to do and how to do it and and, and what it takes to be a, a minor league broadcaster. You know, because if you're involving me, I wouldn't call it a master class, but maybe a 101. Well, definitely, you know, definitely, you don't sell yourself short there, John. Uh, you are the golden voice of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, and it, it, people, he's say. squirming in his seat, but, you know, I, I love, not, it's not a flattery. The Lehigh Valley Iron Pig exactly, actually <laughs> just recently uh, copyrated uh, using gold in any form. Oh, did they're, they? they're having like a gold <laughs> standard jersey, so you'll have to edit that part out or face potential legal trouble. Dang it. Um, do you know any lawyers? There actually are a lot in this building, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, but they're all agents. They're dealing with, uh, and partial, maybe partial owners as well. Um, so, so being a broadcaster, you're also, um, you're, you're also kind of involved. You're, you're the media guy. Mm-hmm. Um, do people contact you if they want to talk to players? Do the people want to contact you if they want to talk to staff? Or, or you don't run the, you don't run the social media because I tweeted at you during the game, and you'll you'll answer back with, from John Nolan in between commercials, but you won't answer back to Tin Caps, right? Mm-hmm. Or do you do both? I I do assist in helping to run the team's uh, social media accounts. Um, like you said, I'm the media relations guy, so. Uh, Outlets other than Friars on the Farm do usually contact me if they want to interview a player. Um, Who else is contacting you? Don't let those guys talk. No, those are my guys. Those <laughs> yeah. are our guys. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, I'm the yeah liaison for media following the team. Um, yeah, so well, in terms of the scope of job, that includes preparing the the, the game notes, uh, press releases, game recap stories, other content uh, that comes up nowadays too. Yep. What is it? It's um, who's who's the young guy that you. That it's working with you. Now we go to the two six zero to the yeah, show. Evan Stockton, Evan Stockton was with us last year. Yep, is he? He was your so that's your number two guy, right? Yep. Because Mike Moss is a co. Is Mike Moss kind of the co? He's, yeah, and we uh, we have like a deeper bullpen of broadcasters in Fort Wayne than probably anyone else in minor league baseball. And our setup here in years past has been uh, when the Tin Caps play at home. I I do play by play on our local TV broadcast that now fortunately get the stream on MILB.TV as well. And then, yeah, the home games, Mike Moz, who's been with the organization for many years, going back to the Fort Wayne Wizards days, uh, Mike calls the home games on radio alongside my number two this past year was Evan. And then, uh, then you know, Evan went on plenty of road trips uh, for the radio broadcast as well. Okay. Sorry. That was my boss texting me. Um, where were we? So, so, the, so you, you, you media. For those you, who didn't have the visual there, Don right. was looking at his phone. Looks like my schedule is going to change here uh, within the hour. Um, what else do you do other than just the media? So, in the offseason, are you involved in sales, or do you do other um, other front office kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I actually don't do sales, uh, but which probably most broadcasters in minor league baseball, if they are full time with the team. So I would step back and say that probably the majority of broadcasters are not full-time with the team. Um, but yeah, the, the Tin Caps have a large enough sales staff that I'm not involved in that. But I am part of our team's marketing department. So like I mentioned previously, um, planning out the different promotions for the, the next year, I, I try to chime in with a good idea every, uh, every now and again. And uh, in addition to that, whenever there is uh, you know, news happening, whether it's uh, like right now, 
extended hours of the Orchard Team Store. Opening day tickets on sale. I'm the one who's distributing uh, that news out to uh, to the media and helping out, you know, like I said, social media too. And all hands on deck wherever I can help uh, try to pitch in. Well, and you know what I love about the Tin Caps is they have a they have a fantastic the the, the video mm-hmm. is really good. It's gonna be better next year too. We'll be all in HD on the broadcast finally. Okay, so I thought you were. I thought all MILB were broadcast in HD. Yeah. Well, if you mean if you watched a Tin Caps game in 2019, you could tell it wasn't in HD. Technically, right. yes, because the graphics were the graphics package. And credit to uh, Tim Bajima and Melissa Herring, they they lead the video production department for the Tin Caps. Um, yeah, so they had a nice shiny graphics package, but. Uh, like the 260 to the show segments that we do, that was HD, but the actual game, you can tell those cameras were not uh, HD cameras. Okay, well, I watched a lot of them on my computer and mm-hmm. uh, you know, are on my phone, so I couldn't really tell the difference. But we're also minor league baseball is moving to, to Octagon. I haven't talked to Jeff. I was going to talk to Jeff about that as well, among other things, but um, this is something that's new. Yeah, I don't know too much about that. I know that news came out recently, and uh, I, I did just hear that minor league baseball is is working towards having games on different uh, different media distribution uh, outlets. But for 2020, I'm inclined to think at this point it'll still just be on MILB.TV, and Tin Caps are also on TV around Indiana. Okay, so you've been so you've been with the Tin Caps. Do you? Um could you move up within that ownership group, or would you move up within the affiliate, or do you have any aspirations of mm-hmm. – uh, sorry, uh, Tin Cap fans, if, if I ask a really sore question, you don't even need to answer this, but do you have big league aspirations, or I don't know, do you want to make it to the AAA? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, and the Tin Caps are under the same ownership as uh, – under Hardball Capital, which also owns the uh, Reds AA team, the Chattanooga Lookouts, and the Mets – Class A affiliate, the Columbia Fireflies. Um, so in theory, there have been some people who've moved from one organization to the other. I mean, it's kind of like being transferred. I don't know. Let's say like uh, you work for Dole in San Diego, and then you can work for Dole in uh, New York. Okay. Um, but uh, I do have aspirations of becoming a, a major league broadcaster or broadcasting at the, the network level one day or in another sport at a higher level or high level collegiate athletics uh so that is definitely like like the players working towards that i wish it was as simple as for a player who you know pretty much all guys or there's the exceptions right but almost everyone's going from rookie or short season to low a to high a to double a maybe not triple a but you get the picture you're going right climbing the ladder right whereas like i said my predecessor in fort wayne my cousins he made the leap from fort wayne straight to espn um so there's not a clear blueprint. So, I mean, for the time being, I'm really lucky to be in Fort Wayne and uh, yeah, not uh, not attending the job fair here right. at the uh, winter <laughs> hey. meetings. But, um, yeah, hopefully uh, one day there could be uh, opportunities. And, yeah, I definitely have loved getting to work consistently for an organization that's been affiliated with the Padres. And, um, yeah, just like the players, would, would shoot, for, shoot for Petco one day. Real quick um – so it gets I'm not as, just to be clear, not asking you to knock uh, Jesse Agler over uh, over the ledge here <laughs> into the into the bay at any time. No, <laughs> no, and Jesse's pretty secure there. Um, yes, and, and we, no, and we, I, again, we, we love Jesse a just lot. To be, yeah, just to be clear, I definitely look up to the to the Padres broadcasters and the whole uh, broadcast crew. 
communications career, they've been really uh, helpful and supportive uh, when I've reached out to them in the past. So, well, have you run into? Mud? I ran into Mud on the way over here today. Did you have you talked to Mud or Don or Silla? Have you seen Jesse? Yeah, I've uh, run into those guys. That, that definitely is one of the really neat aspects here of the winter meetings, where between the, the local San Diego media and the national media, like every corner, there's someone who you recognize. Okay, so real, real quick before we go, what advice would you give to any aspiring uh, broadcaster or that you know that little kid that's in his basement doing play-by-play on his PlayStation 2019? Uh, what would you tell them? how to get in the business, what to do, and, and how to go about it. First thing I would tell them is to study harder in math and science. Because uh-huh. <laughs> analytics are big now in, in major leagues and it's making its way down to the minor leagues? No, more so because this is a pretty challenging career path to go through. Oh. So I think they'd be better off having the stability of a career in STEM. But... <laughs> but Real quick, I tell yeah. people all the time, like, oh, my son wants to be a chef. Like, no, tell him to go to go to school, get a real job. Yes. Uh, that said, if someone, uh, yeah, if you're like myself and uh, you, you have the passion for it and you want to pursue that, then um, like in a lot of other areas, you have to be dedicated to outworking people. Um, and, yeah, it depends on, you know, what stage you're at for uh, – it's the type of career where you don't necessarily need to ha- – it's not about um, – your education as much as it is your work experience so okay. like you know along the way i you know you was calling games into a, a tape recorder you know sitting in the bleachers at games you know just that wasn't on air in any capacity uh so it's key to be able to find and by the way this is me here now going in a baseball broadcaster mode where i could talk three hours uninterrupted here probably okay. we were 30 minutes in <laughs> hopefully they check the batteries but no it's to keep it short and sweet i mean uh hopefully someone could have uh you know internships and um you know find mentors to follow after and uh ultimately it's just about working hard you got to be open to criticism it's kind of a, a laundry list of uh of items that uh probably go into it well if anyone if i ever catch anyone criticizing you or if i ever see anything like that on twitter i will crawl through the internet and crush their skull john <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Dude. That, it's so we great. have such a pleasant, pleasant view here. We had a nice conversation. I feel like that was a little bit more violent than necessary. That's Twitter what, is it is what it is. I, I, don't yeah, no need to get caught up in uh, any Twitter trolls out there. I I, I I appreciate I'd appreciate anyone just for tuning in if if they'd have a comment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're the constructive. Well, we're the defenders of the faith here, yeah, so we'll, okay. we'll defend you. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, glad to be able to finally meet you here, Donovan. And uh, kudos to the job that you and uh, Roy and your whole Friars on the Farm team uh, do in covering the Tin Caps and the entire Padres organization. Um, yeah, like I uh, appreciate the conversations that you guys have with players. Like this past year, for example, I, I learned things about uh, Blake Hunt and what yeah. went into the art of catching and a great conversation that you had with guys and learned about, you know, Joey Cantillo's off-season diet, all those kinds of tidbits uh, helped me in my job. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And we'll continue to do that as we go along. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks. Let's go have uh, an uh, ice cream right now with uh, a banana on top. Exactly. (laughs) 